Welcome to the Untangling Life Podcast with Rachel Wojo. I'm Rachel, and this podcast is where you'll find the space to clear your head and calm your heart. I'm so glad you're here. Make yourself at home. Well, hey there, and welcome to episode 36 of the Untangling Life Podcast. I'm Rachel, and today's episode is the second in a series called A Word for Your Wilderness. I'm so glad you're listening. In episode 35, I shared God's purpose for your wilderness, and we dove into Exodus 13 and 14, where I uncovered the nuances of how God prevented the children of Israel from making poor decisions, he protected them from the enemy, and he positioned them for the miracle. If you haven't had a chance to listen yet, you'll want to go back and catch up. And that brings us to this episode, God's Presence in Your Wilderness. Last week, a friend of mine and my husband's small group shared a story about her special needs daughter. After a moving message from God's word, our pastor had asked everyone to begin singing, I exalt thee, I exalt thee, I exalt thee, O Lord. It's an old chorus from years ago, and with simple piano music, all the voices in the auditorium could be heard. It was a really precious worship moment, and was then that my friend's special needs daughter, began to weep uncontrollably. Alarmed, her mother asked, Sweetie, what's wrong? She answered, God is talking to me. If you're listening to this podcast, then I'm guessing this is something you want. You want to experience God's presence, especially when you're walking a wilderness, when life is dry and crusty, when physical, economical, and emotional crises come our way. We want to know what God is saying. We want to know He's talking to us. We want to be close to Him and experience His presence. This was God's desire for his people, the children of Israel, as they wandered the desert. He longed for them to know that he was near to them. When sin entered the world and God could no longer walk with Adam and Eve in the cool of the day because sin separated them from God, then his longing for humanity has only ever been to get as close to us as we would choose to be. What did this mean for the children of Israel? It meant that God needed a place to live, a set-apart dwelling where his presence would be as close as it could be without sin. And so the tabernacle was established. Now, for purposes of this episode, I'm not going to mind the subject of the tabernacle because that topic could be an entire book and is entire books. But suffice it to say that God's desire by having the people to build the tabernacle was to minimize the distance between himself and them, both physically and spiritually. They were to create a place for his presence. And this is what he still wants for us today. He wants to have a place in our lives. He wants his presence to fill us. We're no longer under the reign of the law. Jesus paid the price for atonement of our sin. So God's tabernacle, the place that he dwells, is in us. When the martyr Stephen preached his last message in Acts seven forty four through 50, he explained it this way. Our ancestors had the tabernacle of the covenant law with them in the wilderness. It had been made as God directed Moses, according to the pattern he had seen. After receiving the tabernacle, our ancestors under Joshua brought it with them when they took the land from the nations God drove out before them. 
It remained in the land until the time of David, who enjoyed God's favor and asked that he might provide a dwelling place for the God of Jacob. But it was Solomon who built a house for him. However, the Most High does not live in houses made by human hands. As the prophet says, Heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. What kind of house will you build for me, says the Lord? Or where will my resting place be? Has not my hand made all these things? Paul shares it this way in 1 Corinthians 3.16. Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in your midst? Do you see the progression of how every step of history moved God closer to the hearts of his people? From the tabernacle to the temple to now his spirit lives in us, dwelling our hearts and minds as our comfort, our guide, our helper, our convictor, our source of power and light, our giver, our intercessor, and the list goes on. So why is it that in the wilderness seasons of life, when disease threatens our vitality and depression tortures our humanity and death knocks on the door, why is it that we often fail to see his work, to experience his presence? This is how the children of Israel felt in their journey through what felt like God-forsaken land. But listen carefully to Numbers 9, 15 through 23. And on the day the tabernacle, the tent of the covenant law, was set up, the cloud covered it. From evening till morning, the cloud above the tabernacle looked like fire. That is how it continued to be. The cloud covered it, and at night it looked like fire. Whenever the cloud lifted from above the tent, the Israelites set out. Wherever the cloud settled, the Israelites encamped. At the Lord's command, the Israelites set out, and at his command, they encamped. As long as the cloud stayed over the tabernacle, they remained in camp. When the cloud remained over the tabernacle a long time, the Israelites obeyed the Lord's order and did not set out. Sometimes the cloud was over the tabernacle only a few days at the Lord's command. They would encamp, and then at His command, they would set out. Sometimes the cloud stayed only from evening till morning, and when it lifted in the morning, they set out. Whether by day or by night, whenever the cloud lifted, they set out. Whether the cloud stayed over the tabernacle for two days or a month or a year, the Israelites would remain in camp and not set out. But when it lifted, they would set out. At the Lord's command, they encamped, and at the Lord's command, they set out. They obeyed the Lord's order in accordance with his command through Moses. Not only were the children of Israel to build the tabernacle and make a place for his presence, but they were to pursue after his posture. What did the pursuit of his posture really look like? Verse 18 says, as long as the cloud stayed over the tabernacle, they remained in camp. And then the verses thereafter explain the variety of occasions that this entailed. Sometimes it was a long time, sometimes a few days, sometimes only evening and morning, sometimes it was two days or a month or a year. But no matter what, they remained in the camp till God in the pillar of cloud moved. I think a lot of us want to experience the presence of God, but we don't obey the promises of God. Maybe we don't know them, but fail to believe them because the path has grown dark and we can't see the way out 
of our current wilderness. We want to run ahead of God out of the awful place He has us camping in. His posture is holy, righteous, just, loving, and gracious. But we are so busy staring at our surroundings, wishing we could change our circumstances, that we fail to see who is with us in the camp. I shared with you in the last episode of this series how God's precise timing took me to the bedside of my dying father last month. On the second to last day of his life, I was able to play hymns on the piano, and in his pain and inabilities, he still tapped his finger to the rhythm of the music, as if he were settled in the camp, primed and waiting on God to move him home to heaven. He was pursuing God's posture, even in the pain of death. I'm going a little off script here, but the next day when it seemed it would be his last, I asked if I could read Psalms to him. And so I began reading the book of Psalms around 10 a.m. to my father. I read and I prayed and I tried to sing. That part was awful because I was crying half the time and I read the Psalms some more and make comment throughout the Psalms. And I read his favorite Psalms, 110 through 112, went back and read my favorite Psalm, 18, and then started up again at 19 and read all the way until 41. Dad and I were having church from 10 o'clock all the way until about 1.30. And around 1.30, I said to my niece, you know, I haven't talked to my husband today. I probably should go call him and give him an update on dad. And so after almost three hours, two and a half of singing and praising and reading scripture with my dad, I stepped out of the room and I wasn't on the phone with my husband for just a minute or two before my sister called my name. And I hung up with my husband and hurriedly rushed back into the room, only to find that my dad had been escorted into heaven. I have to think, you know, my dad was never one to leave in the middle of church. And it was as if he were waiting for me to finish this reading, praying, praise session so that he could go on to glory with Jesus. The wilderness is a weary place. It's a difficult place that includes death. And for those of you who have sat by the side of a loved one and watched them take their last breaths, you know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking about because maybe, just maybe, you have experienced the presence of God in those moments It was like a holy privilege for me to be there and praise and worship the Lord, even in the difficulties of death. I want to encourage you today that God is with you in your wilderness. His presence is accessible to you. And if you will just pursue a posture, if you will make a place for his presence, then He will show up in all of his glory, and I guarantee you, he will show off. You may not see it right at the moment, but you will see it. He will give you eyes that open and see 
what he has to show you. In Exodus 33, verse 14, before this journey even began into the wilderness, the Lord tells Moses, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. And then Moses said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? And the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing you have asked because I am pleased with you and I know you by name. God knows you by name, my friend. His presence is in your life. Embrace him for who he is. Embrace the promises he has given to you and position yourself to pursue his posture. He longs to be with you in your wilderness. Lord, may the one who is struggling in the deep wilderness today receive this word. Amen. Each episode of the Untangling Life podcast concludes with a segment called On My Desk. This week on my desk, I have the Pure Joy Cultivating a Happy Heart Bible Reading Plan and Journal. This complements our Community Bible Reading Challenge. If you are ready to cultivate a happy heart by giving thanks, then you can enjoy the free Pure Joy Bible Reading Plan printable at rachelwojo.com forward slash blog. Thanks so much for listening in today. Until next time, God sees you and knows your need. Thank you for listening to the Untangling Life Podcast with Rachel Wojo. If you enjoyed this podcast episode, be sure to subscribe. For show notes and free resources, visit rachelwojo.com. See you again soon. calling my heart. Like I just knew he was my safe place. I hope people don't walk away going, wow, you're really awesome. More than like, wow, Jesus is really interesting. And he's really awesome. Everybody on this planet is dealing with some sort of what if. How does that one courageous decision affect the whole world? A ship in harbor is safe, but that's not what ships are built for. If you were encouraged by what you just heard, please search Trevor Talks on your favorite podcast platform or lifeaudio.com.